When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From movie set to multiplex, it's the business of film with James Cameron Wilson. If only I could die. If you died, you'd forget me. I want to be remembered. When you bring me out, can you introduce me as Joker? I'll just come up sometimes, see me. I'm home every evening. This is Simon Rose. You're listening to The Business of Film on Chair Radio, where I'm about to talk to James Cameron Wilson about what's been happening. I've got a little snippet there, of course, from um, Brief Encounter, James. And I recently, um, when I was up north, went to Carnforth Railway Station, where they have a fantastic exhibition, not only about Brief Encounter, but also about uh, David Lean, um, who made it. And they don't make movies like that anymore, do they? Which is probably why the cinema has been having such a torrid time of late. And are we continuing? Or are you going to give us messages when you say cheer? torrid, define torrid. Dreadful. Okay, I think of torrid as hot and exciting. Yes, yes I know. Probably, yes, I chose the wrong word. I apologise. Oh, okay, I yeah. just wanted to yeah. establish that. And as we all know, that the UK box office has been in dire straits. What lamentable. I, yes, I'll go back and lamentable, lamentable the word. Yeah, lamentable, yes. yeah. Yeah, I'll put that word in instead. I like lamentable. What with uh, funerals and sporting events and cost of living crises, not to mention, um, the, yeah, it's just been absolutely dire. Uh, and we had a rather big funeral, which it's been down, 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 down. So I am here to say that yes. last weekend... yes. It jumped 123.8%. Splendid. I'll go back to Torrid. One of the definitions is full of difficulty. Okay. It's but yes, not it can be Torrid. As well. It can be hot. Yeah, as well. yeah. Okay. I, I think of Torrid as rather exciting. Yeah. Up 100 and how many percent? It jumped 123.8% last weekend. It could thanks be what they call three. the dead cat bounce, though. <laughs> well, thanks to two really strong new movies mm. and a third, which has been around for, what, 13 years now, which is doing really well. And even against last weekend, it's jumped by 72.1%. So at least the distributors, distributors can now actually smile for one week. Mm, mm. We have a new film at number one called Ticket to Paradise, which I'd actually seen the week before, the last time we talked. Mm. It was going to open on the previous Friday, but because of the Queen's funeral, they put it back. So uh, the, depending on which chart you look at, I think some have taken into account the previews of the previous week. But I'm going with the official Comscore chart. And the film is Ticket to Paradise, and it made over last weekend £2.8 million, which is really good news. And I was really looking forward to Ticket to Paradise because I love George Clooney, mm -hmm. and I love Julia Roberts, and I really enjoyed Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, the last film directed by Ol Parker. 
The stars previously worked together on Ocean's Eleven, hmm. Confessions of a Dangerous Mind with Sam Rockwell, Ocean's Twelve and Money Monster. And they share a sort of a familiarity uh, bonhomie. So I can see why they took this project on, not to mention working in a tropical paradise. What's not to like? And Julia Roberts, of course, has a profitable track record with the producers Tim Bevan and Eric Fellmer, who produ produced Notting Hill yeah, yeah. for working title. Now, I've always maintained that the reason Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, was better than Mamma Mia, because Richard Curtis was involved in the script stage and helped thrash out a decent storyline. This, of course, was directed by Earl Parker, and this is his first film since. And Richard Curtis, of course, also wrote Notting Hill, which was working title and Julia Roberts. Ticket to Paradise, on the other hand, is charmless, obvious, predictable and mechanical. If you think when a hungover Julia Roberts says, even my hangover has a hangover, is the height of Wildian wit, then you might enjoy this lazy... I'm sequel. not even sure that's an original line. I feel I've heard it before. Mm, maybe you've had a hangover that's had a <laughs> yes, hangover. Yes, yeah, it's possible. <laughs> she and Clooney play Georgia and David Cotton, the sort of spoiled, privileged cynics that give Americans a bad name. Worse, they used to be married to each other. So when they turn out to be seated, believe it or not, next to each other on the same plane flying out to Bali, they continue their weak, constant verbal assault on one another. The only thing they have in common is their love for their daughter, Lily, played by Caitlin Deaver, who has fallen in love herself with a seaweed, seaweed fisherman. And being in Bali is in paradise on earth. As Julia Roberts says on the phone, I won't let her throw her life away on an impossibly handsome guy in the most beautiful place in the world. Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn elevated bickering to an mm. art form, as did Cary Grant and Claudette Colbert and many others. But the material Clooney and Roberts are handed just isn't up to the standard of Billy Wilder or Frank Capra. Mm. So Georgia and David join forces <laughs> to sabotage Lily's wedding and the one thing she holds dear, her handsome prince, so that she doesn't make the same mistake that they made and they've already humiliated her during a graduation ceremony back in the US. This is pretty excruciating stuff without a single credible moment in which the farce is embarrassing and the jokes bleeding obvious, such as the endless Balinese greeting they are given, which is then translated as welcome, ba-boom. And what is it? with characters in the movies, when they try to creep up on something, to either surprise or to kill it, that they shout at it at the top of their lungs, as George Clooney does when he's creeping up onto a wild pig to try and catch it. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense. Here he's more smarm than charm and has a rictus grin that he can't seem to shake, while even the normally dependable Billy Lord, Carrie Fisher's daughter, can do little with her comic sidekick as Lily's best friend. I think the film may have worked if, if there had been a darker edge to it, 
I was thinking maybe Danny DeVito's The War of the Roses, uh, similar characters hating each other. But Ticket to Paradise opts for a more schmaltzy polish. And it's so predictable. Not George Clooney's mm. greatest hour, nor indeed Julia Roberts. You wonder with talent like that why they, they, they didn't notice how bad it was while they were making it. You at very least got somebody to punch up the dialogue. Well, indeed. And I think they both, if I remember correctly, got executive producer credits on the film. So they really are to blame. But they like working together. Obviously, this is their fil mm. fifth film. And the idea of working in a paradise, although it was actually shot in Australia, um, obviously appealed to them. Oh, what a shame. Now, if you're going to tell me you've seen the next film, perhaps we should take a break now. Or is there more to talk about before you get to the next review? I have seen film number two. In that case, James, let us take an early break. Just pause your breath, give you a moment to collect your thoughts. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose. You're listening to the Business Film on Chair Radio, where I am in conversation with James Cameron Wilson as we discuss a rather better looking week at the UK box office. So number one was Ticket to Paradise. What's number two, James? OK, we have a film called Don't Worry, Darling, which made 2.7 million. So just behind Ticket to Paradise at 697 venues. It's the mm -hmm. widest release for a female-directed film. The title, to me, sounded like a Rock Hudson Doris yeah, Day. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Oddly enough, I just pulled one of those off the shelves to watch sometime in the next few days. Right. But that was Move Over, Darling. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. but that, it, this is far from that. The Darlings of the title are the Stepford Wives of a mysterious male workforce the latter who drive off every morning in primary coloured cars, as if in a commercial directed by Tim Burton. In fact, Tim Burton's satirical shadow hangs over the entire film as the wives lounge around their swimming pools, sipping cocktails and enjoying the Californian sun. They are living in a housing project in the desert with all the amenities they need at their disposal, including yoga classes, bespoke nightclub venues, shopping, and a tram service. And it's a culturally mixed environment, which should be something of a giveaway. This is not the suburbicon of George Clooney's chilling black comedy of the same name, where a suburban utopia turns out to be a seething pit of crime <laughs> and racism, all dressed up with a sunny smile. The community here is part of a social experiment called the Victory Project, and the men are sworn to secrecy about what they do during the day, while the women, women vacuum, dust, polish, and prepare that night's dinner for their husband's return. The protagonist of Don't Worry, Darling is Alice Chambers, played by Florence Pugh, who recalls a young Kathleen Turner with her husky voice, and blonde carnality, and is every inch the Californian housewife, miles away from the characters she played in Midsummer, Little Women, and indeed Black Widow. If nothing else, Don't Worry Darling is a peerless showcase for a magnificent actress, still expanding her range, and it's hard to take one's eyes off her. 
There's also a whiff of Jennifer Lawrence in Mother about her, although this is more of an assured vehicle than the latter. And while Alice dances around her living room to the sound of Ray Charles and the Platters, this is very much entrenched in the early 1950s. All does not seem well, at least for her. So long as she rustles up the evening roast and satisfies the sexual demands of her husband, Jack, played by Harry Styles, and doesn't ask any questions, everything will be just fine and dandy. Now, I should point out that this marks the reunion of the scenarist Katie Silberman and the director Olivia Wilde, who worked together on Booksmart. So one can expect a feminist slant bubbling beneath this male mm. gratification fantasy. Olivia, Olivia Wilde is terrific director, and she seduces the eye, the eye with her lush visual palette, intercut with a terrific soundtrack, along with all the costumes and superlative production design one has come to expect from such a high-end production. But for much of the first half, the film feels like it is treading water with just the subtlest hint of something proving to be awry, as if Miss Wilde is content to gloat over the animal passion displayed by her attractive protagonist. In fact, everybody is exceedingly good-looking in this desert Shangri-La, including the Jim Jones-type father figure played by Chris Pine, who just four years ago portrayed Robert the Bruce in Outlaw King, with Florence Pugh in support as his wife, Elizabeth de Bourgh, and now he's supporting her. Here he's seemed to be slimy and smarmy and a good deal more convincing than Harry Styles, whose accent slips all over the place, until suddenly he's outed as a Brit. Or maybe I missed something. All in all, the film is glorious to look at and constantly intriguing, but the long-awaited payoff is confusing and a cop-out and left all the Harry Styles fans in the audience completely discombobulated. And I'm afraid I was in their camp. The, the cinema was packed with young girls, te young teenage girls, who I think were there to see Harry Styles. I, I don't know what he was doing, um, to be honest. And I so wanted to like the film, and Florence Pugh is so good in it, and it's so well directed. I think the problem is the script, which is based on an, another screenplay written by two of Dick Van Dyke's grandsons. There's a Reef. novel little bit uh, of... Okay, that's not a phrase we often hear. No, oh. indeed. So oh. I was very disappointed, really. Oh, that's a great shame, James. Great shame. Well, we've only got uh, had two films so far um, in the chart. Let's uh, race down the, the list. Well, as we've uh, said uh, on this show a few times, there haven't been any films that have made over a million. So to say that another one at number three made 1.2 million last weekend, it's all looking very rosy. This is a film called Avatar. It's a reissue. Now, the fifth highest grossing film of all time in the UK, thanks to this extra amount of dough in the bank. Uh, this is, of course, in the UK. It's now got... 95.2 million in the bank and it's just overtaken last weekend spectre and i saw it again and i think it's much better revisiting it than i remember because i think a lot of what it's talking about 
is far more relevant today because uh, it deals a lot with the environment and how man sort of colonizes this new planet and then does exactly what it's done on earth mm. and doesn't recognize the natural foliage and the, and the indigenous people there uh, i i was surprised how much how gripped i was the third the second time round and of course we've got the uh, the long awaited sequel arriving is it december the 16th i think which I really will be looking forward to, directed by James Cameron. Uh, I also enjoyed the film at number four, having been disappointed by number one and number two, and this is called See How They Run with Sam Rockwell and Saoirse Ronan, Saoirse Ronan who proves she can actually be really funny in this, which is a film about the mousetrap and how they can't make a film about the mousetrap. And I do recommend it. It's down, sadly, 52%, but it's got a total now of 3.7 million. At number five, we've got Moon Age Daydream, which was at number 10, but it's now expanded because originally it just showed at IMAX venues, but it's now expanded to 559 venues. It's got a total of £676,000. Number six, we've got the uh, risible... Minions, The Rise of Gru, which was at number three down. <laughs> it's never going away just to taunt no, you. <laughs> uh, it, absolutely. It, this is, it's now been in the chart, Simon, for 13 weeks, and it's made a total of 45.4 million quid. I much preferred, to my surprise, another cartoon at number seven, DC League of Super Pets, which was at five, down 23%, now with a total of 15.2 million. And that is now in its ninth week. And a third cartoon at number eight, Tad the Lost Explorer 3, I'll spare you the full title, yes. which was at number six, uh, a Spanish cartoon, down 28%, with a total of 1.4 million. Number nine, we've got Bullet Train, which I'm afraid I was disappointed with. I sort of enjoyed it on a very sort of superficial level, which was at number two, so down at a massive 53%, with a total of £10.6 million. And that is now in its eighth week. So I don't think we're going to see, be seeing much mm. of that in the future. We've got two big releases coming up over the weekend. At number 10, we've got Top Gun Maverick, which is still the eighth highest grossing film of all time, down 57% with a total of 81, sorry, 83.1 million pounds. Now, thank you. you mentioned, and you may regret this, last weekend about foreign language films not doing as well as they used to. I felt I didn't see them as often. They didn't appear at the cinema as often as I remember them doing. Okay. Well, I thought it might be quite, quite fun to have a look at the top 10 highest oh, grossing yes. foreign language films of all time in this territory in the United Kingdom. And, mm. well, that is Northern Ireland. Um, yes. So what I'm going to do, if you'll bear with me, is go from 10 to 1. Okay? Yes, okay. Well, I'd be interested in knowing how many of them are relatively recent. Yes. Well... The year, the year, the great year, was 2004, when foreign language films did phenomenally well. Right. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to start with number 10, and I'm going to tell you the the year, the nationality, and the director, okay? Oh, I'm not going to be able to do these. Okay. <laughs> okay, number 10, 10 is directed by Guillermo del Toro. It was made in, it came out in 2006, and it's Spanish-Mexican. 
that's not the orphanage. Which one would it be? Oh, set in 1944. I'm sorry, James. I can't remember the okay. title. Okay, Pan's Labyrinth. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, sorry. I could sort of see the image of the film and just couldn't remember the name. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, of course. That's fine. Uh, number nine, we've got an, another Spanish-speaking film directed by Walter Salas, released in 2004. No idea. About uh, Che Guevara? The Motorcycle, oh, motorcycle Diaries. Diaries. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Number eight, we've got another Spanish-speaking film directed by Pedro Almodovar. Now, as he's directed so many, I don't expect you to get this. Well, give me a bit of the plot, maybe, but... Um... Yeah. Well, it's about an eccentric family, and I haven't actually seen <laughs> They're it. all about eccentric well, families. <laughs> uh, called Volva. Oh, that's fantastic, yes. Volver. Well, I know, yes, and yes. I just... Volver, Volver. Yep. I just haven't got around to seeing it. Oh, so well, I, I would recommend that. I mean, I can't remember it very well, but I remember loving it, yes. Yeah, OK. Was that not well, based on a Patricia Highsmith? Oh, I can't remember that. Maybe that was a different one based on a Patricia Highsmith novel. No, uh, that was the one... Sorry, of... we're going down a rabbit hole, James. Don't worry, don't worry. Yeah, I know the one you mean. Um, don't yeah. worry, James, don't worry. There's a... Uh, 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 yeah, OK. <laughs> How... OK, number seven. Was it in Mandarin, directed by Chang Yimu, 2004? Again, he directed several sort of martial arts. Flying Daggers. House of Flying Daggers, absolutely. And number six is another Chang Yimu film, Hero, also in Mandarin, and that was released in the year 2002. Mm -hmm. Now, you might be able to get number five because it was shot in the language of Mayan. Oh, um, um, Apocalypso. Yes, well done. Yes. yes I, I remember Mel having Gibson. my cricket bat confiscated from me. For the, I think it was that that film. Yeah, Mel... Um, uh, I was going to say Mel Brooks. No, it most definitely <laughs> was not. Mel, Mel Brooks. Mel, Mel Brooks' Apocalypto. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably my favourite film in the top ten mm. at number four, directed by Jean-Pierre... Jeanne in 2001 in the French language. Emily? Uh, yes. yes. Yes, absolutely. At number four. At number three, we've got another martial arts film in Mandarin from this one from Ang Lee. And I did mm. mention it last week. It's sort of on the tip of my tongue, and yes, it's not going to come. So just tell me. Crouching Tiger. Yes, yeah, I just can remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two thousand and one. So these are quite a long way away. And again, <laughs> number two, it's two thousand and four. Again, it's directed by Mel Gibson, and this time the language is Aramaic, Latin. Passion of the Christ. A indeed, yes, it yeah. is. And number one is a film in Korean, directed by Bong Joon Ho, released in 2019 and it won the oscar for best picture oh which you which you didn't approve of i mean you I... You, you you didn't you didn't think it was as good as everybody was saying and you felt there was a japanese film um yes with this this is called true. shoplifters with the same and, and you know the dreadful thing i remember the japanese film called shoplifters which i then went and watched and i can't I remember the name of this film even though i saw it and i liked it more than you did uh, there's that terrible I liked it a lot. I we haven't mentioned huge... the title yet because I can't no, no. remember it. <laughs> okay, Parasite. Oh, thank you. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> Parasite. That's, that's quite a new film, and that's the highest. But that is the only film. relatively recent film in that top ten list. It is. Yes. So, me saying that, I don't think you know foreign language films tend to do as well these days at the box office, except as for they Parasite. Used to. 
except for Paris. So, well, that's just, yeah, but that is only only one. And I think partly it's because it's well, there are fewer art house cinemas. I think there used to be, but also um, because, of course, it's so much easier to to watch them on streaming or on uh, some other form of of home video. Because presumably, for the distributors, the risk is much greater. And you can tell me while I um, have I got time to talk briefly about a Netflix Very. film. Oh, okay. oh, oh okay. no! I think we probably ought to. If it's a whole film, unless you're, yeah, okay, I'll, one I'll, sentence. Perhaps we should keep it on next. In week. which case, may I wish adieu to Louise Fletcher? Yes, from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, her famous. Well, indeed. Film. In fact, the very first time I was invited to interview anybody, it was Louise Fletcher by Twentieth Century Fox mm-hmm. with a champagne reception for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and she was so besieged by other journalists that I saw this man sitting in a corner all by himself. Mm-hmm. And I felt sorry for him, so I went over, and that was my first interview. And he was the director of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, oh, called Milos Forman. Oh, yeah, yes. I had him all to myself, and all the other journalists were just... <laughs> oh, fantastic, James. One thing, Louise. Well, Fletcher. thank you very much. That is it, though, for this week. From the business of film, James Cameron will be back next week with the film he didn't have time to review. And uh, I look forward to that, James. Thank you very much indeed. Welcome. To Jurassic Park. Just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. I am big. It's the picture that got small. <laughs> <laughs>